Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Well, welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Bryn Starnes in studio, and Chris Sherrod is joining us uh, via Zoom in Montana. Oh, yes. And and you're tell, you're saying that the weather's really nice up there right now? Uh, it's beautiful. Like yesterday, me and a bunch of um, these students over here that I'm teaching went for a hike and jumped off a cliff and just got in the water. It was very cold, but the weather's like low 80s. That's awesome. No, yeah, it's really nice right now. Oh, man. Goodness. And you're up there teaching, correct? Uh-huh. Yep. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for spending uh, a little bit of time uh, getting with yeah. us to to talk about, you know, just easy stuff. All the light and fluffy <laughs> things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bryn, can I throw it over to you? Sure. To kind of kick off our, our topic for today? Yeah. So we're still in the kind of the category of... Um, is the Bible immoral by today's standards? And just talking about different topical things in the Bible that are are difficult to understand and often are roadblocks to people to trusting the Lord or trusting scripture. And so the next one that we feel like makes a lot of sense to cover is talking about violence in the Bible, specifically genocide or things that seem to be in line with genocide. And um, a lot of obviously mostly limited to the old Testament, but a lot of those passages that are really difficult to understand when it, when it comes to God calling Israel to wipe out a people or go in and, and kill people. And so, um, yeah, that's what we thought we'd tackle today and, um, at least start the conversation of does, does scripture condone genocide? Does God call for it? Things like that. Yes. So before we get into that, can I just jump in with like the definition of genocide? Because yeah. I think it's good to understand, okay, what yeah. do we mean when we say, when when we hear the word genocide, and then we can say, okay, according to that, is that what the Bible is actually doing Yeah. Um, or saying? Because I know this is not an easy topic, and we're, we, with, uh, we were talking beforehand, the different passages, there are different genres of literature that we're looking at as well um, within this. So trying to trying to have the most accurate understanding. But according to um, Oxford Dictionary, genocide means the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. Yep. So that's that. So I guess if we're just opening up <clears throat> the conversation from that point of view, mm-hmm. if if Chris, if you're having that conversation, if somebody is initially saying, hey, so, you know, you believe that God is this loving God, whatever, what is, how can he ascribe, or how can he just kill all these people? Mm-hmm. What, what, like, how do you gently have that conversation? What are the responses that you typically? Or, or even like another question on that, that I've heard a lot is um, that the God of the Old Testament, and the New Testament aren't the same, yeah, you know, like yeah, that yeah, yeah, because yeah. of that issue. But yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I think there's a couple of things that I, I always try to do if I can. And that is to zoom back a little bit and talk about the whole, um, I, I think just kind of the bigger picture. And one of them is 
um, is, is the God that you believe in, or maybe even the God that you rejected? Because a lot of people say, like Bryn said, God's this God of love in the New Testament, God of wrath in the Old Testament. Um, it's, it's both God is multifaceted, like a diamond, for example. And I think what a lot of people like to do is just camp on the attributes that they like, or they wish for him to have. And then the ones that they think are weird or yucky, or that they don't like, then, well, the God I believe in wouldn't do that. And that's nice of you to say, but I always have to go, but what are you basing the God you believe in on? Like, if you're basing it on scripture, you've got to be fair and not just cherry pick the verses that only talk about him being loving and merciful. You've got to also talk about he's also holy and he's just and he punishes sin. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that punishing of sin is death. And so what people get upset about also is that it's sometimes the punishment there is the taking of life and we're not supposed to take life. And so God's a murderer just like us. And I think explaining to someone, if God is the creator of all things and he really is the sovereign God, it's not murder for him. Anytime he takes anyone home, if he allows the car accident to happen and somebody dies, um, he decides when and how we get moved from this life to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the big issue that I would start off with is, do you believe that God has that right um, mm-hmm. to never cause any pain? to never judge any sin, to never do anything that you wouldn't agree with or approve of. And then when you start saying that, sometimes, hopefully, that sounds pretty obvious, like, okay, I'm being a little, you know what I mean? For them to see, like, you're just wanting a God that is basically you, Mm. that he he does everything you would do. And that's where you just go, well, then you're just worshiping a deified version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I like kind of backing up and talking about what do you actually believe? And if God is all-knowing and all-wise, then he knows um, all things and the depths of sin and the effects of sin, if it doesn't get stopped like a cancer. If he's all-wise, he knows um, how to best judge sin and how to do that and what's going to happen. And um, he's consistent. And so that, that's kind of my bl- my blanket thing. And in co- contrary to even that, that claim you mentioned, Bren, if you read the book of Revelation, like literally 90% of the book is God's God judging the world. This is mm-hmm. so when people say the God of the old Testament is this way, the God of the new Testament, I, my answer would be like, have you read revelation? <laughs> like yeah. it talks about how deep the blood is from this battle. Like it's, there's, there's death all over the place. Mm. Um, so I think that people feel like it's gotta be either or mm-hmm. instead of both. And that God mm-hmm. is loving but he's also holy. God is merciful, but he's also just. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's how I would start. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would do kind of what you already did there, Colson. I would, I would say define genocide for me because what do you mean when you say genocide? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that comes from the specific command to wipe out these people because that entire people group were doing these things. What a lot of people don't recognize is that God many times rescued people out of that culture. Like Abram was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rahab was rescued out of Jericho before it was destroyed. Ruth um, through Naomi was brought out of Moab, which is a really pagan country. So mm-hmm. many times you see God p- bringing people out of that. But 
God's description on why, for example, the Canaanites were destroyed. And that's a very broad term. If everybody doesn't know, that's a very broad term for just the land. But then you hear about specific people, the, all these other ites um, being destroyed. But the reason I would say that this isn't genocide, it's judgment, is because the exact same warnings are given to Israel, and they ended up doing, sadly, some of the exact same things, and they ended up being judged. Mm-hmm. Like the Canaanites were sacrificing their babies to Molech. Like they'd heat up this idol to, you know, white hot, that had, where its arms were white hot, and then literally lay your live child to be burned to death. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is you read later on in the old Testament and Israel was doing that. Solomon was doing that. Yeah. And so God punished his people. It's just God doing judgment, not genocide. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a big one to, um, to distinguish. And And genocide is is like a specific people group. Like when we think about genocide today, even it's like, right. This ethnic people group is being wiped out by this other and right. like you're saying, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't God saying, hey, this specific people just randomly, but. Yep. So um, that's, that's how I would start just explaining the difference there that God, God's sovereign, God's judge, God can decide. And then God used Israel as his instrument of judgment, but it wasn't like he flew off the handle and was like, you know what? I'm sick of these people this morning, go out and wipe them out. If you read all the way back in the book of Genesis, God gave Abraham a, 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 a prediction, really, of what was going to happen to the people in the land. Mm-hmm. He basically said in 400 years, I'm going to give them 400 years, the time of their, their full reckoning isn't here yet. Um, because but, the, he says like the, the height of their evil hasn't reached its something, right? right? Yeah. Um, like they're not evil enough to destroy. Right. Yes. And so um, that's an example there where God gave uh, a long time, God gave them, you know, plenty of time to repent. Um, Yeah. So, and then even the book of Jonah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But like Jonah um, was upset that God sent him because he didn't like the people that God was sending him to. They were obviously a ethnic people group or you know country that he didn't like and they were really evil like if you go into even the history of Nineveh and all the things that they were doing it was like pretty gruesome and Jonah was like upset that God was having compassion on them and yet you know God we see God go to these great lengths to send Jonah we often focus on Jonah in this story but it's interesting to turn and look at like no God this is also showing God's compassion to Nineveh, it's not just about the fish, you know? Right. And um, and he's sending them saying, like, hey, or sending Jonah saying, Hey, I want to warn these people before I destroy them and give them a chance to turn. And Jonah's like, Oh, you're just a God of compassion. Like, if I go, they'll probably turn and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll forgive probably them, forgive them. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and see, in, in that story, <clears throat> what you're showing there, this is exactly what we're saying. God is holy and he's going to punish sin but he's merciful and gives them a chance to repent. Mm-hmm. And so he's both, he, he is very serious and he's telling them, I am going to destroy you. And, and he's giving them the warning. In other words, he could have just destroyed them, but he sent Jonah. It's the first time, by the way, that God ever sends a prophet to another country. Mm-hmm. And Jonah had, I mean, 
it's hard to tell all of his motives. They were enemies of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, he probably hated them, but also he probably feared for his life because of what he mm -hmm. knew they did to other people. Um, but still, they end up repenting. And you're exactly right that Jonah ends up basically quoting Exodus 34 saying, yep, there you go. Being true to character, God, you were merciful. Mm -hmm. um, so he's not, yeah, he's not just one or the other. He's both. Which is also kind of cool that it was understood that God was just, but also compassionate even then. Like Jonah mm -hmm. understood that about like, we all know this is the character of who you are. Yep. Even in the Old Testament. But yeah. I think one of the one of the times that I know this has come up some is when people have talked as Christians have condemned Islam and how mm -hmm. Muhammad fought in, in jihad and stuff like that. And a lot of the things that are clear in the Quran. Um, and they've said, well, you Christians, you know, in the Bible, it talks about that as well. Mm. And I like to point out the distinction between a blanket um, allowance that whenever you meet an unbeliever, you can kill him if you want versus this is a specific instance when I am sending you to be my, my, in, you know, my instrument of judgment. And I think that's where, um, I mean, that's a big distinction to make that, that um, God is um, in one instance, Allah is just saying, yeah, you can lie and wait for them. You can fool them. You can ambush them if they're unbelievers mm -hmm. versus God specifically commanding Joshua. And again, it's a different time, not to say that God has changed, but um, we just have a hard time understanding warlike situations anyways, mm -hmm. because we just, it's so far removed from us, but um, it's, it's a very specific command and God is, telling his people to drive them out because you this is the land I've given you. And, and yet you've got all of these provisions in the old Testament law for, but if a foreigner wants to come and live among you and, and follow the God of Israel, like that's fine. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of, I am trying to allow, trying to prevent the land from taking you, the people's mm -hmm. culture to assimilate you, you can assimilate them. But if you let them assimilate you, and he knew how weak they were, so that's why he told them, don't intermarry with them. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, they did, and that led them away. So it, it was, was a very like take or be taken, like warlike culture, right? Of like if right. you don't push them out, then they will oh, enslave yeah. you. Yeah. And it's the same thing with um God forbidding intermarriage in the old testament. It was not racial, like the genocide idea. Mm -hmm. It was religious that he knew these people um are gonna lead your hearts you know, astray. But then, then you've got examples of Boaz marries Ruth. So it's not bad in the sense that she wasn't pulling him down, but God generally was saying, you guys are just really weak and they're going to lead you to worship their gods. And that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. And then adopt all the evil practices that oh, totally. they were seeing. And yeah. it's cool because even like Rahab and um, Ruth both were non- Jews who ended up following the Lord and then end up in Jesus's lineage. Exactly. Um, I love it. Yep. Yeah. So another thing that we've kind of talked about that I, I would bring up, and that is if someone is a full-blown relativist and they're complaining about this, I would go on, on what moral standard are you saying this is wrong to come in and wipe people out? Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like the only way that you would have any moral sense that this shouldn't happen is if you believe in some kind of moral standard, but if there's no God, you've got no moral standard, you know, it's like, the, it's like a, a common accusation of like, why doesn't God, you know, stop evil in the world? 
But then you've got God stopping the Canaanites from sacrificing their babies. And now people are complaining. So it's like, do you That's want God to stop evil or do you not want God to stop evil? Like mm-hmm. when he does, well, it's how he got, how he stopped them. It's like, okay, then you're trying to play God again, you know? Yeah. I think it's like we talked about earlier in some episode um, that if we have an accurate understanding, so much like you're saying at the beginning, so much of this does go back to having an accurate understanding of God, because if we don't, and we already don't trust God and his character, or understand it, then a lot of this isn't going to make sense. It may not make sense fully anyway, but we will have trouble trusting that he knows what he's doing unless we trust God as a whole. Right. Um, and even in your own life, not just this yeah. side, it's like when bad things happen to you, you're going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Well, God's not supposed to do this. And it's like, well, what God are you believing in? Right. But also like the f- fact that we point out before that the fact that he is just points to the fact that he's loving because an actual loving God that didn't care about evil and sin and and didn't care about injustice, like wouldn't actually be a loving God. So they're, they have to be hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, I've heard it said before that some, and I hadn't heard this until recently, but some of the more drastic language is a lot of like war rhetoric or some, I don't know if it would be hyperbole. Um, but what is your, what are your thoughts on that? Cause that's, I hadn't heard that before. And I thought that was interesting of, of like, did he actually mean wipe everyone out, or was he was that a a phrase that yeah. people used in that time frame, or you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I think that a lot of times people, when they read the Bible, don't uh, don't allow for that when they when they criticize the Bible, or they don't think that people could talk like that too. Like if you were to say, "How many people were at church on Sunday?" and you're like three hundred, like exactly 300 people and it's like no but you know what i mean or um things being an idiom for example jesus being three days and three nights in the tomb like he wasn't three days and three nights in the tomb you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it was it was a jewish idiom because any part of a day could count as a whole day Mm -hmm. so everybody at the time knew that it just meant on the third day but they still threw around that same language Mm -hmm. we do this all the time today when we say you know they were taking forever (laughs) <laughs> or everybody was, you know, on their phone. It's like, you don't mean that. You mean in general, everybody was, you know, mm-hmm. most there, were a lot, there were a lot of people. There, there were a lot of people yeah. on their phone. Yeah. So part of that argument um, is, I, I think, seen clearly when God says to drive them out completely, or you've got these, these big blanket commands that sound so, um, you know, drastic. But then those same people that it says that they wipe them out show up again later in, in, in the story or in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which means they didn't fully annihilate them. Um, they're, I mean, they're still there. So the, a good example of this, let me just read to you from um, Deuteronomy 7, okay. if I could. Um, he mentions, well, I'll just start in verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, Gergeshites, the Amorites, Canaanites, and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Okay. 
So devoted to destruction was uh, a common phrase that was basically saying, um, you're going to do this completely. But this is what's interesting. It's, it's in a weird way, in the same way when God asks for the first fruits of mm-hmm. um, the harvest, those were devoted to him. He was saying, this is an act of that you're going to set it apart as an offering to the Lord in a sense. Um, it was more uh, of that, the, 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 the command also, and I think this is really significant in light of what we know happened was to prevent Israel from um, this judgment being uh, a motivation for personal gain. In other words, we're going to come in and conquer them. And I'm going to pick the best looking woman to be my wife. I'm going to pick, I'm going to take all their gold. I'm going to have the best house. Like he's like, no, no, I want you to destroy all of this stuff and get rid of all this stuff. Cause it's going to be an, ins- it's going to ensnare you. And sure enough, if, if, if you read the book of Joshua, um, God said the same thing about Jericho and Achan ends up taking some silver and going back to his tent and hiding it in the ground under his tent mm-hmm. um, because he wanted to selfishly do this. So part of God's command mentally, what he was trying to get them to understand is, listen, you Again, I know how weak you guys are. And you just see over and again how over and over again how weak they are. But he's like, just you have got to get rid of them completely, drive them out completely. Now, here's an example right here where we know that that, that could be an expression because literally the next same verse, he says, You shall not intermarry with them. <laughs> so you're like, okay, you just said totally wipe them out, and now you're telling me not to intermarry with them. How can I intermarry with all these people if they're dead? Mm. Right. So even there, that's where some theologians have said or thinkers have said. Um, devote them to complete destruction just means drive them out completely. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to kill them completely. There's other verses that do say that. Mm-hmm. But in that instance, it's pointing out. Um, the, the point is there in the very next verse, you've got don't intermarry with them. Don't make a covenant with them. Like, I just don't want you to do this because here's what's going to happen. And you're going to end up serving other gods, which is the time of the judges. One of the darkest times of Israel's history Mm -hmm. is when they intermarried with, with them and didn't drive them out completely. Mm -hmm. Man. Okay. So I know that there are, you know, we can, we can go to different passages. What are, we we can kind of reference them as we are preparing for this, maybe some that are cherry picked out of context, specifically Mm -hmm. thinking about like Psalm 137 nine or things that like people might pull out and say, well, the Bible says this kind of gruesome thing about killing people. Um, I don't know. Would we can, we can read that, that song, but like, yeah, yeah. Wanna, okay. Yeah. Here I'll pull well, it. Up. I think, yeah. Before you read it, I think yeah. that's a great example of you have to go back to context and understanding. Cause yeah, some of these passages are really hard, but it's even more difficult if you're just picking it and not reading any of the verses around it. And yeah, I think Psalm 137, 9 is one that people just pick and like make memes about and different things mm. about like, yeah, the Bible wow. says this with no context. Yeah, because if you read it completely out of context here, I'll read it. It just says, blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. And so, yeah, clearly, I mean, there is more to this. Yeah. What, Chris, you want to yeah, unpack you briefly unpack what it? you were, just because I think it's a great example of like people use this verse a lot to say like the Bible's violent and calls for violence without unpacking yep. it more. Yep. So there is a, 
uh, a category of psalms, for example, um, that are categorized as imprecatory psalms, where the author, a lot of times David, is asking for God to do something on his enemies. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it is violence, like he's asking him to, to, to do something. And so imprecatory psalms are A, um, just recording the honest feelings of what David is feeling right there. And he's asking like, Hey Lord, this is what I would love to happen. Like, Mm. and again, with David, it's like, they're literally trying to kill me. Like, again, it's hard for us to relate to what would it be like to be on the run and our government has dispatched all of their resources to try to hunt you down and kill you. Like, Mm. how would, how would I feel today about that? About these men, bounty hunters, all these other people that are out to kill me that I haven't done anything to these people. What would my, in the midst of despair and frustration, what might I ask God to do? You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. been real. Like, do you understand what he was feeling? It wasn't like David was in the middle of his, you know, of his palace playing his harp. And he's like, you know, how I feel about my enemies. Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. an impregatory Psalm is, is God is asking God to do that. And again, God's going to do what God sees as fit to do. So just because we've said this before, the Bible records things. It doesn't approve or it doesn't just because it's recorded in the Bible. Doesn't mean like that's now my, my verse. I need to tattoo on my, you know, arm mm-hmm. or go by. So in this Psalm, Psalm 137, it's looking back on um, their judgment that came on Israel, mm-hmm. um, really specifically Judah, where they were taken off in a Babylonian captivity. And um, it's talking about what were things like when we were, captives Mm -hmm. and how did we feel and so again unless you've been ripped from your homeland and made to live in a country where you can't speak the language and you're destitute in exile it's hard for you to understand but now it's looking back okay this is the way we were when we sat down by the waters of babylon and we wept and all those things Mm -hmm. and the attitude is i want to go home i want to see jerusalem it's like if i forget you oh jerusalem is in verse five let my right hand forget its skill What's that song? Uh, Jerusalem, I forget you. What was that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about? You guys Hold know on. Vaguely um, rings a bell. It's a, it's a, it's a, like a Jewish rapper type guy. What is it? Um, anyways, this is what he's quoting. Oh, you don't have to put that on the recording if you don't want to. <laughs> I just thought we all knew this. Do we not all know this song? Mattis Yahoo? Yeah. That sounds familiar. I forget how to say his name. Yeah. Anywho, um, you don't want to sing the whole song for us. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) Okay, but sorry, but he's referencing that. He's referencing that. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, but he even in this psalm, you recognize it's a psalm, and it's a lot of poetic, drastic, um, allusions. Like he says, "If I forget you, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth." If I don't remember you, um, you know, let my my right hand forget its skill. Like it's, it's using this grand exaggerated, like, like I really want this to be true. He doesn't really want his tongue to you know, stick to the roof of his mouth. Mm-hmm. But then this is where the imprecatory Psalm comes in in verses seven, eight, and nine. He's asking the Psalmist here. We don't know who it was is asking God to remember um, what happened that when Jerusalem was destroyed, the Edomites, um, we're excited. Like they rejoice at Jerusalem's downfall mm. and Babylon is the instrument. Babylon's the one that, that God used. 
And so they're just being honest, like, this is what we think. We think that Babylon should, should face what we face, that yeah. someone will be blessed if they um, repay you with what's been done to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think I, I look at that and I just go, yeah, that's extreme. Like blessed shall be he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. A, that is not a, um, therefore not a command. command that yeah. I'm supposed to go do. Yeah. And um, you see God all, always, you know, talking about the sanctity of life. Um, but also it's how they were really feeling in light of all that had happened to them, where they were taken as, as slaves and judged and sold as, you know, property. Mm-hmm. Which is another reason why the Psalms are also powerful because it gives space and, you know, grace for us to be like that honest with what we're praying of like, yeah, whether or not this is right, like, this is how I feel right now, you know? Yeah. And we use phrases like, oh, they're dead to me. Yeah. I don't know. That just came to my mind. It's like, what, what do you really mean by that? Like, that sounds really harsh, but like, yeah. Okay. Here's what I really mean. I'm just not happy with how how they've been treating me. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I don't know if I answered that one satisfactorily, but those. No, I think that's helpful. I think it's just goes back to what we have always talked about of, of just looking for context and doing sometimes the hard work of, of digging in. And that doesn't mean any of these things are easy all of a sudden. Right. I think that's one thing that is helpful to note that I think the Old Testament is complex and a lot of what God calls for is still, still can be confusing to us and still can be hard to understand. But I think if we do the hard work, then we can understand it more and, and at least understand how God is a consistent, faithful God who his character is consistent and can, can um, be the God of the old Testament and the new, you know? Yep. And I think the problem that we have usually is it still goes back to even with the problem of evil is we just don't like how it happened. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't like that. It happened. Um, so the book of Habakkuk is an interesting um, example there where Habakkuk once and his name means to wrestle with, and he wrestled with this idea that how um, Israel and Judah are declining, mainly, mainly Judah is declining. And he's wrestling with why isn't God doing anything about it? And then God tells him, I am going to do something and it's going to be Babylon. And then he wrestles with Babylon. How could you <laughs> use Babylon? They're terrible people. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like he wants God to do something. And then when God decides this is going to be my instrument, he's not happy with it. So it's the same dilemma of That's interesting. Um, God is God and God is all wise. I'm not. And there's a lot of stuff that is going to be confusing to me that I just don't have the answer for mm-hmm. and why he does that. So I know we're getting off on just the problem of evil in general, but with the genocide one, I would, to sum it up, I would say it's not genocide, it's judgment. And then it's God being God deciding when people are going to leave this planet. And the ones about d- destroying some of them and even the children being killed. Um, some people have argued that is stopping the spread of the of the decay even further because all of these kids were then growing up in that exact same climate and culture. And so either they're going to get killed or they're going to become just as bad or worse and carry on this stuff even further and further and further. 
And so it's an act of mercy to step in and to stop this cancer. Um, and one of the ways is to, is to wipe them out. Now, depending on your, on your theology about age of accountability, mm-hmm. this would actually be, if you think that God, you know, if, if a child dies before that particular age where they fully grasp everything, the age of accountability, then, then they're going to go to heaven. That This is actually God mer- mercifully stepping in and instead of these kids being brought up in a horrific culture, like they really were mm-hmm. far from innocent. They weren't these innocent people, mm-hmm. a horrific culture that was just obsessed with sex and occultic stuff and sacrificing and everything. And even um, like selling their kids to, for prostitution, for idol worship and crazy things like that. Right. So this would be, this could be seen as an act of mercy to their souls for God to take them into his presence rather than have to live in this, you know, wicked, wicked environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, those are my thoughts on that one. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's, it's an easy thing to pick if you don't know much about God or don't have a relationship with God. It's an easy one to pick that, that is a turn off and is easy to just shut down saying like, well, I don't, that's a, you know, that's like a horrible God or that in my estimation that whatever, but if you step back and study God as a whole, you know, it gives, like you're saying, it gives you a lot more trust for even the parts that we don't understand. Yeah. So that's why I, I, I want to sympathize with someone like, man, if you've had pain, I am so sorry. Um, God is not apathetic. The Bible's not silent about that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I might not be able to tell you any reason why that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to, I can tell you about the God that I know who's sovereign over all things and that even stuff that he allows, um, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a purpose that I might not know this side of heaven, um, but he can also offer a peace that, you know, goes beyond understanding. And Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers.